0: Look good. What? what? happened? What do you mean? I saw all kind of like warnings and notices. Oh no, no. It's Son of a I, I don't
1: it, it's a techie thing. It, it, it's a me screwing up thing. It's not even a real techie thing. It's a you have to have a rumble page set up for the broadcast, but then you don't choose it like you choose the little the little thing up at the top with the green yeah. And not the Rumble thing. So, um I put them both in and it it couldn't figure out where it was supposed to broadcast to cuz it both point to the same thing.
0: All right, so it's all it,
1: it, yeah, we're 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 up and running. It's uh, it's not a problem. I I'm still learning too, folks. <laughs>
0: we're on Rumble though, Everything's
1: We are on Rumble. Yes.
0: I mean, Natalie's watching, so she had to get somebody else.
1: Yeah. We're on Rumble. We're on all the other. If people go to the Seth Williams Show um, Facebook page, I put up a, a little note with all of the links that people can comment with. So if people don't want to use Rumble, since Rumble was apparently difficult the other day, you can you can do it several ways with X, with Facebook, with, um, with uh, StreamYard itself, direct link to StreamYard. It's all there. So All there. It's all there. So onward we go, and I'm going to be less crabby today. I'm excited about today's show.
0: I, I'm not, so I'm going to be very crabby today.
1: Why are you not excited?
0: My dad's on. It seemed this, that's great. Good. That's great. Oh, by fantastic. the way, my wife said she was listening the other day on the way home, Yes, and she said that I come in more clear and loud than I did on YouTube. So that's good. on Rubble. She was listening on Rumble and said it was a better feed, actually.
1: I would think she'd want you to be all muffled and quiet because she's sick of you yelling at her at home.
0: I don't yell at my wife, dude. Every single day, I go out of my way to tell her she's beautiful, how much I appreciate her, and to, you know, love her.
1: You have to. Yeah,
0: You're so far,
1: do. you 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 married so far above your your station that you have to be nice.
0: And plus, yeah. I have no leg, man. What am I going to do? It's yeah, like exactly. I'm, I could go out in the market and just start picking up chicks everywhere. That's right. But I'm never going to get one better than mine. So it's like no. You know, I, I'm, I'm good to go.
1: Yeah, you better be nice. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I guess my, your dad, your dad, dad walked we, away.
0: Yeah, my dad, I told him like 20 after, so.
1: That's so, fine. I, I do. We can him bring him right up. on if you want to when he comes back in.
0: But, you know, I have to get all the swearing out now because he's not sitting on oh, no, his back. Oh, he's back. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I, all the swearing, I guess, has to uh, stay away tonight.
1: Oh, is this? Is this? This is our first clean show that we're doing. Yeah, you can
0: swear as much as you want. It's just me that can't.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he's listened. He knows what you say. <laughs> yeah, I
0: understand that, but I can't do it to like his face. That would just be weird. Like, well, even, just look like, away. Just see him in, like down in, in, in like in the corner. There, it was bothering me because I'm like, I, why? If I say the f- dude, I'm almost fifty, and I'm afraid to say the f word.
1: Your dad's your biggest supporter. I'm sure.
0: Oh, so not no, no, he's not.
1: I'm positive You're he's, he's your biggest supporter
0: not so much
1: who supports you more than your dad
0: you you definitely
1: stop it <laughs> your dad's been on every single week I know. if he You're wasn't not, supporting he's... you look I'll tell you what my mom who knows what I do as well have you seen her in the chat room not one no. time no. she can't be bothered with this she doesn't want to know what a filthy scumbag I am
0: but I don't think he appreciates all the content that we do. Like when I think he turned it off the other day when we started asking Gemini like penis sizes and stuff like that. <laughs> well, sometimes imagine, we get a little stupid. I can't imagine he's all that proud when I'm talking about you know, trans porn and stuff. So probably a little bit.
1: Trans porn? You know, Who was you know, asking probably, about that? You?
0: Of course. you know Everybody thinks that I, I like trans porn. Hmm.
1: By the way, did you see this clip that I uploaded? Here, I'll play it.
2: Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender.
3: Oh, I I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time.
1: (laughs) You said you brought up the trans porn. (laughs) Very accurate. Had trans and porn all in the same clip. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to speak to your dad. Author to author, that's what I mean. Not author not necessarily author. about you. Yeah. You know, that's he's written, daughter. I've written. We have books together.
0: Natalie. We sell it in Band. the same place. <laughs> I feel bad for Natalie, man. Her cable's worse than mine.
1: It seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Do you eat popcorn, Seth?
0: I have eaten popcorn.
1: But you don't eat popcorn.
0: Not on a regular basis.
1: See, this is what I'll be asking your dad about. How the hell you got to be such a non-eater?
0: show just started. Everybody forgot that we went to... Uh, Rumble? Well, Jim and Sandy, I know are in uh, Nashville. That's why they're
1: not on. Okay. But well, we're yeah. here. We're here. Let's, let's do some radio.
0: Don't worry about who's watching. I'm not worried about anything. I'm worried about... Booking guests, man, because that's like my goal in life now. My only thing that I ever do anymore is book guests.
1: <laughs> you and me both, man. Just and, different man, I'll tell you
0: right now, it is absolutely the most insane job that you have to do because you, all you do is send emails all day long and hope mm. that like two of them get back to you.
1: Yeah, it's it's a pain. It really is a pain. I mean, at least with with my stuff, most of it I can do through publicists. So I don't have to do all the navigating with the people. You know where you have to like you reach out to these guys and then they're like, well, you know, I got I got to pick up my son from baseball practice and I got to do this and I got to do that. I don't have to deal with any of that.
0: And like today, uh, uh, you know, Dennis Prager
1: is—he's
0: mm-hmm. a nationally known, he's a national radio guy, sort of conservative sure. host on the Salem Network, and you know he's all over the place. And so he's coming to town this Saturday. Okay. And so I'm trying to get him on the show to promote the event. And it's very difficult getting hold of a national radio star. But then I'm going to this event on on Saturday, and I have to wear, quote, fancy clothes is what I was told that I have to wear. Okay. When I told the guy I'll break out my fanciest hoodie, most likely not this one. But (laughs) fancy for me is (laughs) like – a pair of jogging pants and right. <laughs> like a black sweatshirt, so it looks like I'm formal wear.
1: Dude, I'll tell you what, and you have the best advantage. It doesn't sound like you're even going to take care of it. You have the you have the cane. The cane is automatically going to let you wear whatever you want to wear. Well,
0: that's what I thought, too. Like, Absolutely. I'm handicapped, so I should be able to walk in wearing nothing if that's what I want to wear.
1: Dude, worst case scenario, just find yourself an old pair of jeans and cut the one leg off at the at the kneecap so that you can give the cane a little tap on the metal here and there, nobody will say a word to you.
0: I don't mind wearing pants. I'll wear pants, and I'll wear a nice shirt and stuff like that, but I'm not doing no tie. I, I told people before, you, you let, the only time you're going to see me in a tie is if I'm dead. And Tuxedo shirt. Haunt. I swear to God, I will haunt my wife forever if she puts me in a tie when I die. I don't want to. <laughs> you better put me in a hoodie and just let me be comfortable when I go.
1: Right. everybody in the rumble chat is fascinated by how many people are watching
0: yeah i know don't don't worry about that it doesn't matter They'll watch it later they don't watch it now
1: and it does it's not accurate anyway because our our we have the channel that's on um roku channel and that that has another probably three or four hundred people watching so it doesn't matter it really does not matter at all you know there's people watching we'll put it that way
0: and Tony Massa will be coming up in a little while as well, but we do have my okay. dad waiting in the wings, and I Bring am him on. About this. What do, what Why? am I gonna say to him? Give
1: him the big introduction. Give him big. I'll I'll talk to your dad. All right, you all right. you could just be quiet.
0: Okay. So, how do an introduction? Here's my dad. Yes. Author. There you go. And best sperm in town. Look at me. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible introduction. <laughs> Horrible introduction, and I should not have said that. (laughs) He's early; nobody's. My my wife is. That's fine. All right,
1: she can listen to the playback. You bring him on. Yeah, bring him on.
0: Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you? Fantastic.
1: He's he's a great uh, he's a great radio personality, isn't he, Mister Williams?
0: Did you you like my introduction? (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> i don't you know I mean, it's obvious that you do have it because you look at me i'm like the uh yeah
3: that's the problem with you that's you have an inferiority complex because there's this and then there's that yeah yeah so there you go
1: <laughs> it's a long fall down huh <laughs> so,
0: welcome and to Chris my is... dad welcome my dad to the show my dad has been is on he's an author he is uh obviously the father of the greatest radio personality to ever live
1: i was gonna say promote his book seth no more tomorrows link in the description on rumble for those of you that want to buy it i i went i went the extra mile today seth did you I really the, i did the link is to his book right in the right in the Boy, thank comments you. it's right thank there you. on well as a fellow have- author I have to I, I know the game. I know when you when you get airtime, you gotta promote your book and you gotta make it easy for people Absolutely. to find the link.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I have to rely on you because I can't rely on my son uh, <laughs> <laughs> who has a character in the books named after him. He wouldn't know that because he hasn't read any of them. <laughs>
0: True right. I got I feel-
3: pictures. There are no pictures, so therefore he's not
0: reading. I, I feel really bad because you know how many books have you written? I should know that. I don't Four. know that. Four. Four. And I have not read one of them. I, I own. How
1: can you I, not read one of your own dad's books?
0: I own two of them, two of the same same book. I bought two copies of the <laughs> <in> one book. It's <laughs> no so, but I, I own them. They're on the bookshelf, and so they look nice. They look great. But I've look. Unless there's a pop-up book or like pictures, preferably with nudity, I'm not going to read a book. I I haven't read a book since before high school.
1: That's embarrassing, Seth. Your your dad is an author, for God's sakes.
0: The last book I read was the Cliff Notes to Jurassic Park, and then I went and saw the movie. (laughs) Jesus. Well, I'm not even uh,
3: sure he did that. uh, Yeah. I think the last book. I think the last book that he had. Uh, was read to him by me or his mother. That's about it.
1: (laughs) How old was he? Was he in that crib behind him?
3: (laughs) 32. Yeah, I I was 32. (laughs) He was (laughs) was sitting on somebody's lap at the time. So, yeah, probably about 32. (laughs) 33, somewhere in there. (laughs) He still had both legs. So there you go.
0: There you go. See, I'm not much of a book reader. I'm sorry. It it doesn't... Look, I have a very imaginative mind. I, I... but when it comes to reading, it, it just it, it goes right over my head because I get disinterested quick. You're not alone in that.
1: I, I, I will say, and we will get to some questions here in a second, I promise. But when I've written my books, I, I have a publicist that, does, that puts me on the little radio tours so that I can do interviews to promote my books. Every single one of the interviews always asks me to name my favorite books, and I have none to – I'm like you, Seth. I've – I've written more books than I've read. I I literally in my entire adult life have read I think two books, and I've written six. So it doesn't make it. You don't have to be a reader, as long as your mind does is imaginative. I'll give you that one, Seth.
0: And even when it comes to TV, I get bored. I get bored super duper easy. Like my daughter gets mad all the time because I sit there watching TV at night. And I as soon as it goes to commercial, I flip. I can't sit around and wait. I don't like watching, <laughs> like. Like series of shows that take like a long time to get into because I don't I don't want to invest a lot of time in this stuff and reading is investing way too much time into a story that I'll just forget about the next morning.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm gonna take over here, Seth, because you're just you're just stalling.
0: I'm not stalling. Yes, he stalling.
1: He is, Mr. Williams. Tell us. Let's let's start with your latest book, No More Tomorrows. Let's, tell well, us about all, just call call me Gene all right gene tell us about no more tomorrows tell us about the plot and i'm interested mostly in this uh, your your books are fictional correct yeah yeah yeah. i have tried so hard and like i like i said i've written six books but they're all kind of real life stuff they're all biographical Mm -hmm. writing fiction takes a thought process that I cannot fathom how you do how you because you literally have to create four to ten lives and integrate them into a story which is incredibly difficult how do you do that I mean do you are you a natural born writer or natural born creator like that
3: well I was a journalist for a long time I was started off as a sports writer I that for 19 years and then went into the news side of things um where I became an editor and managing editor executive editor all the rest of that stuff but throughout my entire life I was I was writing and and so when I because I read a lot um I've read a lot since I was a kid we lived out on a we lived out on a farm my dad did not farm he was from Birmingham Alabama and he wanted to live in the country So we lived out on a farm and uh, I couldn't go anywhere because we moved out there when I was six years old. And uh, we lived on Route 62 in in Ohio. And so I read a lot. And mostly what I read was science fiction. and, uh, And then I got into the James Bond and Matt Helm and all the rest of those books. So when I decided that I wanted to write a book, which I think almost every journalist wants to do, sure uh i didn't i didn't really want to write nonfiction. i'd been doing that for you know 40 something years so i decided that i really wanted to write a um, uh, a novel uh, i hoped that the novel was going to become a runaway bestseller and that i would then live on the proceeds and i would uh, buy a house in the mountains and right. i would write in the winter time and then i would come down from the mountain and give my book to my agent and say, hand me a check and then, uh, you know, and go on to, and travel the world and then come back and write another novel and just keep that going. Uh, that, that really hasn't happened. Um, so, but, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, I find it easier for me to make up dialogue. I find it easier to, to come up with characters and to have them interact. Uh, I find it, um, uh, when I was writing news stories uh, and interviewing people, sometimes those people were just boring,
2: boring right. as
3: heck. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I, I, you know, this was an opportunity for me to write something that wasn't boring. I could, I could do anything with it. I could have them do anything. I could have them kill people, and they could have them have sex. I could have them do uh, yeah. drive cars off of cliffs. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, I could name characters after my own son, <clears throat> who <laughs> chose, chose not to read any of the books. But that's okay. Uh, so, so I just I just find it easier for me to be honest with you. As a matter of fact, when I see friends of mine who write nonfiction, I find that daunting. Even though I wrote I wrote uh, uh, stories, you know, and but they were always you know, 35 inches, 20 inches. But I think the longest story I actually wrote, which won an award, but it was like 65 inches long and took up uh, two pages in the newspaper. Wow. Uh, but when I have to sit down and think about, well, could I write a book about, you know, somebody from the Miami Dolphins? And I bring that up because during my time as a, as a sports writer, I was the backup beat writer on the 1972 undefeated Dolphins. Well, wow. uh, Seth actually has a football signed by that team um that I gave to my father and my father gave to him so um I find that daunting that I would be able to to take all that stuff over here and then put it into a coherent book so that's okay. i mean it's a long answer for for your question sure.
1: no well, how do you write? Do you map it out first or do you do you write on the fly and come up with the story as it progresses chapter to chapter and page to page
3: yes I write in a linear fashion that's okay. not what everybody does I don't know if uh, your readers or you or uh, I don't think my son knows but Pat sure. Conroy who uh, Pat Conroy who wrote uh, uh, the Lords of Discipline and some other, some other really well-known books that became movies he used to write just scenes. Uh, whatever came to his mind that day, and he would write these scenes. He had an idea of where the story was gonna go, but then he had these scenes. Uh, and then after he kind of got it all together, then he would stitch the scenes together. He would put some connective tissue between them and then send it off to his editor who would do even more work on the book. I don't write that way. I just write in a linear fashion. I start from the beginning and just keep on going down to the end. Uh, now, sometimes things kind of take a right turn, and you'll hear a lot of authors tell you that, that the characters wind up doing something that they didn't expect them to do, and sure. uh, it, it, just, it just goes that way. Uh, I will tell you that it took me 35 years to write the very first book, um, because I, I started off on typewriters. Uh, Okay. A lot of people don't don't remember what typewriters are, but, you know, we didn't have electric typewriters. I mean, mean, I'm talking about a manual typewriter. That's what I started with. And I would write this thing, and I'd be working. And then we had Seth, and, uh, you know, I would write whenever I could. And then I lost the manuscript, and then I had to start all over again. And then we moved, and I lost the manuscript. Uh, So, uh, you know, it took me 35 years to get it done. And the way I write, it takes me takes me uh, probably two or three years to write a book. Now, a guy that I used to work with who has become one of the premier science fiction writers in the country and lives in Ohio, his name is John Scalzi. He, uh, he wrote a, a, best, a New York Times bestseller book that won a Hugo Award, which is the top award for science fiction writers, in uh, three weeks. I mean, that's oh, wow. just... I mean, different writers write at different speeds. I'm not that kind of a writer. So, yeah. why no illustrations
0: so I- in the book? So, <laughs> because he's not writing children's yeah. books. But I mean, yeah, it's yeah. cool. I mean, if you're going to have like a murder scene or a sex scene, would you want to have like a depiction for a couple of pages to show what's going on?
3: <laughs> Those are the kind of books that uh, the folks that you support would have banned from the library. Okay. <laughs> So uh, no, we're not gonna have, we're not gonna have uh, illustrations in the book. Right so, on. So anyway.
1: so with with your current book with um, no more tomorrows, you know who mm-hmm. do you do did you do all of it? Do you do the editing and the because I I and, and I'm and I'll tell you I've had to. T- I tried to do the editing on my first book and it was miserable. And I look at, I look back at it now and I just see 9 million things that I missed. You, you kind of go blind with your own writing or or I do. Do you too?
3: Oh, everybody does. I mean, that's the reason why newspapers had editors. Okay. Mm -hmm. They, you know, uh, a reporter would turn in his or her copy to an editor who would then go back and take a look at it. And, you know, uh, you'd be surprised. Let's say you were interviewing a a person named Smith. You'd be surprised at how many how many ways you can spell Smith and how many oh, times yeah. uh, how many times a reporter would have three different spellings of the word Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you read right over it. You read right over words that are missing. You read right over words that you've used incorrectly. You read right over words that um, that you shouldn't be using. I mean, uh, you're your own worst editor. So no, I don't do that. Fortunately, I'm married to a a former editor herself. So she reads my stuff first. Uh, I have two very, very good friends who uh, edit books for a living now. They're former journalists and they edit books for a living. So I I use them. Uh, My publisher of this book is called Moonshine Cove.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, Moonshine Cove, they did an editing uh, they sent me galleys. I sent the galleys out to, uh, they're called ARCs, as you well sure. know, which is advanced reader copies. I sent them out to a couple of people who, who read it. And they came back with some, hey, what about this? And mm-hmm. we made those final changes. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't edit my own stuff. I don't even try. I don't even yeah. try because, because that. Now, I, do pa- I also, before I send it out, I do pass it through some editing software. I mean, okay. There are some great editing software these days, like Autocrit, which will read your book. I mean, read your manuscript. Uh, if you've got misspellings in it, it'll catch a lot of misspellings. Uh, it'll catch grammar and mistakes. Uh, and then it also checks for plagiarism to see whether or not you've plagiarized anything. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so- but then after that, I have other people read it.
0: Now, okay. wouldn't it be easier in this day and age to use something like Chat GPT or Google Gemini to write a book? It would probably come out with a lot of you know different views, and it'd be a lot easier to write. I could write a book using Chat GPT, probably. No, you couldn't. No, <laughs> you could
3: Let's just. I love you, son, but no, you couldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's harder than people think that's the yeah. it, it's <clears throat> to make a book and make it read cohesively is difficult. It is very difficult to and, and especially and, and again, maybe this is just me, maybe it's not you could tell me. The hardest part of any of any book is the last page of a chapter and the first page of the next chapter. Because if they feel like they were written at different times, it throws the whole mojo of the reading experience off, yes?
3: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, particularly the last page of a chapter, because that should set you up for the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, you, particularly in a fiction book, what you want is that last page to kind of leave a, a little cliffhanger so that you are going to go to the next uh, uh, chapter to read. You don't want somebody saying, well, you know, uh, I'm done. (laughs) This this book doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have any kind of flow to it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take me through um, from chapter to chapter to chapter. And that's the death of most books, to be honest with
0: you. Right. So it's kind of like in a movie when the screen fades to black and then goes on to the next thing. Right. That's it's what exactly? I, I, yeah, I relate to movies because that much appropriate. Well,
1: oh, that's that's you. That's you reading. You're you're fading to black because you're falling asleep after like three pages.
0: <laughs> like I think, like a like a comic would be fantastic. I could get into a comic book. I think
3: a comic. Book. Well, have you?
0: No, have I never you? really have read a comic book either. <laughs> there,
3: I, there are things called graphic novels. That are uh, you know three or four hundred pages long. I'm guessing that you're not even going to do that. And no, that that has everything that you like: pictures,
0: yeah. drawings, yeah. Yeah. Pornhub. That's what I, I mean. That's what you know, <laughs> I don't need graphic novels when I have you know the internet. <laughs> In
3: let let me ask you. Notice, Chris, I'm very oh, proud of my son. Very
1: I can proud. tell. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gene, but before we get into talking about your son, I did want to ask you a little sure. bit about sports reporting as well. Sure, you yeah. came up in a time, and I'll say reporting in general, but certainly in sports reporting, when when you came up in it, it was true journalism. It was not. Yeah. It was not. Hey, let's write a clickbait title, and and it doesn't matter if it supports it. Where now everything seems to be, I call it the Stephen A. Smith syndrome, where every writer wants to write for a reaction instead of just reporting. And there's very little reporting going on. As somebody that's been in the business and seen the business, A, what do you think of it today? And B, why do you think it transitioned so far so fast?
3: Well, I think it's awful today, to be honest with you, because I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm not sure that every reporter wants to write the kinds of stories that are coming out. What's happened is this um, probably in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s when the internet really started blossoming the newspaper industry, the legacy industry was was slow to catch up. They actually thought it was a fad and that they you know they really didn't have to react to it so by the time they did react you know uh, other sites had popped up where people were writing um opinion pieces and passing them off as news okay and and so uh when the newspaper industry finally jumped into this with both feet they needed to uh, to make their sports writers do more than just write a straight sports writer, a sports story or a straight uh-huh. news story. The 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 day when I used to go out, I mean, my first job was at the Dayton Journal Herald and uh, I used to cover high school sports. And when I would go out, uh, you know, there was no press box. You would stand on the sideline. You run and get a few quotes after the game and then you would go to a telephone and you would dictate a story. OK, that's what okay. you had to do. Uh, if you had time, you would come back and you would write your story uh, and you would write it on deadline and would get in the newspaper. But now, now when somebody goes out to a game, a sports writer for a uh, whatever uh, media entity you want to talk about, mm-hmm. they have to to shoot video. They have to have audio. They have to do uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram or whatever else. Right. They have to get all of that stuff out there before they even think about writing a story and then it has to be constant and so by the time they really write a story they don't have time to put any real uh, journalism chops into it to be honest right. with you and that and i and it reads like that i mean you you read a story that doesn't really make any sense you know um I grew up in the who, when, where, why, and how. Uh, right. You know, that was supposed to be in the lead of every story. Who did it? Why did they do it? When did they do it? How did they do it? Where did they do it? You know, that should be in the very first paragraph or two. Now, sure. you, you read a story. I've read sports stories where they don't even give the score.
1: And oh, I know. trying it to is... figure out
3: who won the game. So well, I think it's awful. And you're right. Stephen A. Smith has had a lot and people of his ilk have had uh, a big uh, influence on, on the industry.
1: Well, and, and the other thing, and, and, and again, tell me, tell me what you think, but I think maybe the biggest problem in reporting in general, sports, politics, yeah. world news, whatever, is reporting off of tweets, reporting off of social media. Social media is not a news story social media is somebody spouting off you know which we all do but i i saw some last night about there was there must have been 15 stories last night about lebron james tweeting that he didn't like the mock draft where his son wasn't included and i was like a he's a dad he's not gonna like that his son is not regarded as the top guy B, it's a tweet. It's him saying, ah, this is bullshit. You know, that's really all it was. And 15 outlets reported on that, like, with the same vigor that they would have if he broke his ankle in a game. It's crazy. The the choices of journalism are bad now.
3: Well, yeah, and because they all have to be first. You don't want, I mean, that's the whole thing. You have to Mm -hmm. have the clicks, right? You can't. The old legacy of selling advertising in a newspaper is gone. You're you're selling pop-up ads and and scrolls and pop downs and the whole the whole thing. I mean, and the only way to sell that is to show traffic, and the only way to have traffic is supposedly to be first with something. So LeBron James says, "I'm not happy that Bronny's not in the 2024 mock draft." Well, okay, well you know let's get something out there right now because right. Uh, maybe somebody will be talking about this and it has no news value, but they can't let it go. They have to let it go because that's, they think is going to be the clickbait to get traffic. And that's yeah, what it, they need.
1: It's money, not news. That's really what that's it's exactly turned into.
3: Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, the newspaper industry had many ways to make money. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was circulation and they charged for the circulation and there was advertising and they charge for the advertising. Uh, uh, So there were different revenue streams coming in. Now there's not. I mean, and you're having to compete with uh, 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 companies that aren't willing to pay what they used to pay for in a newspaper Mm -hmm. because that that space was at a premium. But think about the internet. You can scroll forever. So you can put a 1,000 ads on on a website yeah uh, where you couldn't do that in a newspaper so if you're one of a thousand you're not willing to pay what you were willing to pay right uh, 25 years ago as one of 15 so i mean that's just the way it is
0: somebody has a question why are editors allowing this on all stories cleveland.com pd is horrible now misspellings incomplete thoughts etc
3: because newspapers um Uh, And websites, news websites, have cut back their staffing levels for so much. To go to Chris's point about being your own worst editor, they've now gotten rid of editors. When I worked at the Cherry Hill Courier um, uh, News Press, I've I've worked at so many newspapers (laughs) in my life. Cherry Cherry Hill's in New Jersey, and it's right across the river from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, when I started there, though, I was the executive editor, and in the editorial department, we had 135 people. I was there for three and a half years, and I left to come back to Ohio because my father was, was, uh, had dementia and was, uh, was dying, and I wanted to help my sister. But when I left, that 135 people had become uh, fewer than 75. And right now, they probably have no more than 20 people. All right. So the reporter, uh, not only is he or she writing their story, it's not really getting edited. And if it is getting edited, for instance, Cherry Hill now has sends its stories all the way to Asbury Park, which is several hundred miles away from Cherry Hill. So right. if you don't know, if you're living in Asbury Park as the editor, do you know that Smith is, smell, is, smelled, is spelled S-M-Y-T-H? And S M I T H. So yeah, um, that's the reason why you are seeing so many more editor or er, uh, errors in the in your news stories because there are no editors.
0: All right, I want to um, ask a question. I don't want it to turn political, but I'm going to ask it anyways. It seems to me lately that the media, either one way or the other, is slanted left or right as opposed to just giving me the news and the facts of stories. And yes, I don't understand right. why that is. Is it just to create an audience? Because it seems that a lot of a lot of facts get left out of news stories today because of a, a slant one way or the other.
3: Okay, would you rather have an audience, and, and this is what they're asking themselves, would you rather have an audience that believes everything you say would you rather have an audience that believe uh, that only half of them believe what you say? And it, it has really come to that now. So uh, the people on the left want only people who believe what the left believes. And the people on the right only want people uh, on the right uh, to believe what they have to say. So they've they've segmented the audience so badly now that it's very difficult for balanced reporting to actually break through because you don't want to hear balanced reporting. I mean, if I was going to be, have a balanced uh, reporting, uh, I might, you know, I'm going to say, this is what's uh, good about uh, Donald Trump. And this is what's bad about Donald Trump. Well, you know, if I'm a person on the right, I don't want to hear what's bad about Donald Trump. If I'm a person on the left, I don't want to hear about Joe Biden's uh, flaws. I want to only hear good things about Joe Biden. So, uh, you know, I, you don't want to, if you, if you present that balanced story, you're losing half of your audience.
0: But doesn't that make then the general audience sit there and say, I can't trust what these people are saying on either side, because yes. they're not yes. giving me the I full disagree. Story. I disagree. I disagree. I <laughs> think that's what it is. No, oh, yeah.
1: because the, the people, like, there's not right-leaning people watching MSNBC. They're just not. And I, I think the piece that is not being talked about here is kind of the ugly, un, unwritten side, which is, again, we'll go back to the money. It is a whole lot easier for MSNBC or CNN to, to sell mass advertising to Moderna or Pfizer or companies that are aligned with their message than it would be for them to sell the same product on a Fox News they they know they'll make more money advertising with Absolutely. somebody with, on their message, so they they sort of guide their content to the message of the advertiser that will spend the millions of dollars for them.
0: Okay, well, I Absolutely. don't disagree with that, but what I'm saying is then that, that, whether it's money or not, what it does is then create a, a a falseness that people think is in the news media, and people don't trust it anymore. I used to watch CNN when it was just cable news network and it was mm-hmm. about giving you the news. But now it's not about giving you the news. either. is Fox News. They're about giving you okay. a side of the news and not the whole story. And I think it and creates is, a distrust.
3: And Fox News,
0: I'll be honest,
3: Fox News started that. So when Fox News started reaching out just to the right, and, and folks flocked to that, CNN had to adjust the other way to mm-hmm. say, okay, I've lost, we've lost that audience. We need to go the other way. And you're right, right Chris, it's all about money. And you know, that's, that's the bottom line with any company, even a media company. I mean, the newspaper companies, you'd be surprised. Newspaper companies, when I started in the business, had 35 and 40% profit margins. That's enormous. Oh, that's
1: crazy talk about
3: a talk another uh, industry that's getting 35 and 40 percent profit margins. Yeah, now they nobody. get they're lucky if they get five or six percent. And 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 the only reason they're getting that is because they're cutting back and cutting back and cutting back and cutting mm-hmm. back. They, they can't squeeze any more advertising. So they're they're uh, getting those profit margins by cutting back on staff. Right. And resources. Definitely. definitely. So do you want to know about my son? Oh, no. I'm going to I'm no, going to dig I, I'm going
1: to
0: dig into that right
1: now. I was no, I, I was getting to that. For,
0: uh, interviews No, we over. don't.
1: Want, no, we does, don't.
0: How does everybody get a hold of your books first? <laughs> it's on <laughs> the bottom. They're all I'll ask the questions here. They're all on amazon.com. There you go. There.
3: And the
1: link to the e, e, Good.
3: E, e Williams. There you go. E, e Williams.
1: Well, Gene, let me let me let me start with the serious stuff before we get to the lighthearted okay. stuff. Sure. I as I'm sure you're aware, I've been through a major thing, you know, with my burn accident. Same as Seth has yes. been through a major thing with his leg. Yeah. How how did you find out? And if I get too personal, just tell me shut up. But um how did you wrap your head around what he was going through to deal with it in a way that you know, you could maintain the strength and show him the strength that he needed to get through his his, you know major life change.
4: Someone's
3: at the front door, at the front door according to my doorbell. Uh, I found out by um, uh, his wife Heather and our granddaughter Molly calling and saying, He's having issues, and we've called 911. And uh, we're in South Carolina; right. he's in Cleveland. You guys are in Cleveland, so uh, we had a a drive ahead of us. That was on a on Easter Sunday, yeah. and we my wife and I jumped in the car and we started driving up there. And uh, believe it or not, it rained every second of that oh, uh, nearly 800 mile trip. I take that back until we got to Cleveland, where it started to snow. Um, We, uh, when I got into the hospital, he was in intensive care. He, um, he had tubes everywhere, including one down his throat. Um, I had doctors telling me um, they weren't sure he was going to make it. Um, So, I mean, he didn't even know I was there. So, You know, I, I, wasn't, I didn't need to show him any strength at that time, which was a good thing, because what I did was a lot of crying, to be honest with you, because I, was, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I know that Seth has mentioned this on the show, that um, uh, his mom and I had already lost a baby, and, right. um, and, you know, I was facing the fact that I might lose my son, so that was a difficult thing when he finally came out of it i mean we still had a long road because not only did we have the um he needed to have a second surgery on his leg but his kidneys were not doing well and you know we we still didn't know what the future was going to hold uh, he was having uh, difficulty you know because they were keeping him under a lot of pain medications uh, he couldn't he couldn't eat uh so uh, I had to. I had to help him a little bit with his eating. I, I just. I just knew this that he needed uh, me and uh, his wife and um, his stepmom and everyone to just be strong around him. And so that's what I did. I tried to be strong around him so that he knew that we were there for whenever we needed needed, whenever he needed us, and for whatever he needed us for. So,
1: right. Looking back at it, do you are you surprised at the the level? I don't. I don't necessarily want to say strength, but the level of I, I would more say courage that you were able to find in yourself, and that obviously Seth, uh, Seth's you know wife and daughter and those mm-hmm. were those around were able to showcase. Because you never can count on it, because you just don't. You know, you you never you never envision that you're going to go through something super, super horrific, and you pull, you pull strength that you never knew you had. For you looking back at it, do you, are you surprised that the level of courage that everybody had to step up and not freak out and lose it and, and get, get to the other side?
3: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. A lot of that came from Seth himself. Uh, He was determined. get going here i mean when they took him to the rehab hospital he said let's get me out into the into the rehab room right now let's you know when can i do this when can i do that let me go farther let me go faster let me do everything and when you look at that when you see somebody who is so determined uh, and has a lot of courage i mean he could have he could have just sat back and said why me he could have sat back and just given up a lot of people do yeah but he didn't you didn't uh, you had your accident. Uh, so, I mean, we took a lot of our strength and courage from him, and and, and that was a good thing. Uh, you know, but his wife was very strong, I gotta tell you, and his daughter is very, very strong. She is one of the, um, I'm amazed at her, to be honest with you, because it wasn't easy for a, a, a young teen to see her father so vulnerable. Sure. Uh, and. You know, she didn't know that he was going to live, and uh, and so you know we would talk to her, and she would just be, you know, we drew strength from her. So I uh, I couldn't I couldn't say more about Seth and Heather and Molly um, uh, than I already have. So
1: uh, it's a it's an amazing story. Just like you know, I, I've obviously talked to my mom about going through. Yeah with, with mine. And and one thing that she said to me over and over was was one of the reasons I wrote my book on it was that she wished there was a guide, you know, to someone to talk to someone, to read something, to understand, because you know, we're all and color me, color me rainbow colored, I guess, but we all look through the rain, rainbow colored glasses of life. Nobody expects the really, really bad things to happen. And when they do, you don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's total chaos. And then trying to find yes. order in that chaos is, is very hard to do. And, you know, you guys, your, your whole family did it, which is, you know, astoundingly
3: great. Well, I mean, it's just like when I said what about Seth, he could have given up. I mean, we could just give up. We could have done that. Um, but you, you you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just hey, keep moving you know,
0: forward. Now you're making fun. <laughs> now, I see Joe no other. You only have one foot to put in
3: front of the other. You only have one <laughs> foot to put in front of the other. So there you go.
0: Hey, look, I'll be honest. Having everybody around was what I needed. I mean, obviously, I mean, one day I was, I was sitting on the couch. I was. Uh, watching TV next morning, or next three days later, I woke up without a leg. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it, it was a huge change in a very uh, short amount of time. And having everybody there, and I couldn't ask for a better family. So.
3: It, it was. Just so you know, I mean, he and Heather and Molly came down to South Carolina like maybe two weeks before Easter, yeah. and uh, and we took Molly on down to Disney World. And, and Seth and Heather stayed in the house and you know did some things, they went to Savannah, went over to Hilton Head and did some other things. They had a great time enjoying themselves. Uh, when we came back and, and uh, we asked them how, how, they, how they did, they, they were telling us they had a good time. And Seth mentioned that he had stepped on a nail and mm-hmm. that it had uh, cut up the bottom of his foot. And I said, well, does it hurt? And he said, well, I really can't feel it. That's why I couldn't feel the nail. And, and literally, um, probably within ten days, he was in the hospital. Wow. So that's that's how quickly everything happened.
2: So right. I felt like I had anyway, like a flu very... while I was
0: down there. And I felt like I had like a flu while I was down there. Yeah, and yeah. just wasn't feeling all that great. And then when I got back up here, all of a sudden I couldn't eat like dinner and stuff. And I was, uh... but the day that actually everything went down, like Easter, the day before Easter. Like I just lost my mind. I was watching TV when it wasn't on. I was playing with my phone that wasn't on, and it was—it was was something. That is so. Except
3: for the except for the fact that uh, except for his potty mouth and his political beliefs and uh, (laughs) and uh, uh, some of the other things that he spouts, I'm very proud of my son. I'm very proud of. (laughs) him.
0: I am. <laughs> I appreciate that. But except for everything else that I think goes on in my life. I'm very proud.
3: Except for and the lies that you tell. I mean, I have lies. never spoken, a, I've never spoken a, a curse word in my entire life. Oh, never. my God. The, the fact that you would say so just pisses me off like crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> I've heard. So where do you think I learned all those words? Stop! Your I mother. know it wasn't from your dad. My mother. <laughs> My mother's been gone for twenty years. You taught me well, everything. She taught I you know. well, apparently. Yeah, apparently,
3: yeah. she taught you well.
1: Well, since so we're talking about who Chris. taught, since we since we're talking about who taught who what, who taught this guy to eat?
3: Oh, I don't know. Seriously, when 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 the, when he was a baby, and we would try to give him. Uh, you know, vegetables in the little jars, he would spit them out. He wouldn't eat them, <laughs> yeah, you know, and how and how sometimes sometimes you have to mix it with, uh, you know, something sweet to try and get him to to uh, to uh, take it. He wouldn't even do that. And so he's grown up and unfortunately, he's taught his daughter the same thing. I mean, oh, geez. She, <laughs> if it's green. She's not eating it. I don't if know it's I a vegetable, it. she's not eating it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying I, I don't know. I would have thought by now his palate would have ex- expanded a little bit, but apparently it hasn't. So,
1: so when he was, was a content. kid, when he was a kid, did you guys just eat like two things, or did he, did you guys eat something different than he did, or what? No, no.
3: I mean, we ate we Wait ate vegetables.
0: Hang on. Let, let's, let's tell the truth here. Mom would always cook you a steak and a salad with your own thousand hour al- Island dressing, and you'd sit in your chair and eat, reading a book, watching Jeopardy, and then she would usually make us a separate meal that was something that you probably wouldn't like because she wasn't the greatest of all cooks. Or you know, I would eat out a lot. You know that. I mean, that's you know kind of the thing.
3: One, of, I will say, one of the problems was was that uh, Jane, his mother, was a nurse, and so she would be, and she was an emergency room nurse, so she worked in a lot uh, a lot of different kind of hours. And uh, and I was a journalist and I was, you know, sometimes particularly when he was young, I'd be working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. Uh, And so when we got home, we weren't we weren't cooking. We weren't doing a lot of cooking.
1: Here's a pizza. Go. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, so some of that is on us. But I will tell you this. I eat peas and I eat green beans and I eat (laughs) lima beans and I eat corn and I eat. (laughs) salads, and I, uh, uh, I eat all of that stuff. Now, there's some things I won't eat broccoli. I, I, okay. I'm not going to touch that. Uh, um, there are some things that I'm not really going to get into, but I, I eat a fair number of vegetables and things that he won't touch.
0: Now, let's also but, be honest. when we're Since we're telling the truth about stuff, the guy that yes. does swear on multiple occasions has caused fights throughout his life. One day, we were at a movie theater, some guy was talking stuff behind us or in front of us, whatever it was, and my dad literally jumped over the chairs and started tackling people in the Good. middle of the movie theater. No, my dad no, no, softball. He was rounding first or somebody was rounding first base, clocked <laughs> him in his stomach. Next thing I know, my dad is on third base on top of this guy with a pile of people on top of him fighting, and I could hear every swear word coming out of his mouth. So let's be well, honest.
3: The second story is true. The first story is a little off, okay? <laughs> what happened was the, the three of us did go to a movie and two people started a fight, several uh, rows in front of us, and one guy was just getting clocked. And I started to go over the seats to try and stop it. I wasn't involved in the fight. Uh, Jane was trying to hold on to me and pull me back. Uh, <laughs> But, but there I did. All uh, swear
0: words he, flying. No way.
3: Correct about correct. Uh, no, I, those were from the other people. That's who right. Eating the hell out of. <laughs> Excuse me. See, there's a swear can word say, right there. You oh, said, oh that, that, that's oh, biblical.
1: Boy. It's biblical. Yeah,
3: that, that one is. I mean, there's heaven and there's hell. I mean, you that's can right. use those words. Man.
1: I'm sure you were saying. I'm sure you were saying, don't, don't you dare smack me again, young man. That's what you were saying, right?
3: That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know where things went, started to go wrong with Seth? Do you, do yes, please. Know? Okay. Well, two things, actually. I used to be an amateur juggler, and I would juggle him in a bowling ball and a baseball. And, <laughs> and I, would tell you, I would tell you that I, was, I never once dropped the baseball or, or the bowling ball.
4: <laughs> Makes sense. Really,
3: here, here's, here's what happened and this is an absolutely true story he, he probably won't be happy about this his mother was working on a Saturday um, in an emergency room and I was had a rare Saturday off and I was with him and he needed his diaper changed this is when he was a baby needed his diaper changed so I changed his diaper Okay, and This was back in the days where you had cloth diapers and pins, right? Sure. There wasn't any, like, pull-ups and tabs and all this. There was cloth diapers and pins. So I change his diaper. I I, uh, pin it all up, and I go to pick him up, and I look down, and his face is purple, and his mouth is open, and he's screaming so hard there is no sound coming out (laughs) of his mouth. And I'm looking all over to see what's wrong, and I... I lift up his diaper and his stomach comes with it. So what I had done inadvertently was put the pin in, gone under, into his flesh, out the other side and (laughs) pinned his stomach to his diaper. So I immediately remove it, of course. uh, And I uh, call his mother and I say, she, she gets the phone and I say, I've just killed Seth. And I hang up <laughs> and and I and I immediately call the the uh, uh, pediatrician. Now, this is before cell phones. Right. All she can do is call the landline and it's busy. Oh, so
0: I've
3: left. I've left her this. I've killed our son. So She jumps in, in the car and drives home. The pediatrician, I get him on the phone and he goes, look, unless you actually went down deep and pressed, right. you haven't you haven't heard it you know, and by the time she gets home, he's cooling and laughing and, and and everything. And she was, she was angry. She wanted to kill somebody and, uh, and uh, she was, and then she started hollering, which made him really uh, start to cry again. So I think everything went downhill from there, that he was so traumatized that he hasn't been able to recover.
0: Somebody wants to know if you are a drinking man. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Never has. Never will.
3: Yep. No smoking either. No smoking. I was no an drinking. anomaly as a. I was an anomaly as a uh, as a newspaper person. No yeah, I was going to say, how did you avoid smoking. the drinking as a newspaper guy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, people had had bottles of bourbon and whiskey and, and vodka in their drawers, and, uh, and of course the haze and the. In the newsroom from the smoke, but I never did. Hi. I tried, you know. my My dad was my dad drank whiskey, right, Seth? And yeah. and, uh, and he he liked beer a lot. And but uh, I tried beer one time. I had a couple of sips, and I hated the taste of it. And somebody said, "Well, you got to get used to it." And I go, "Well, why do I need to get used to something I don't like?" <laughs> and so I, I just <laughs> never went back to it. And All the same right. thing with smoking. You
0: know. Now so, let's talk about another great parenting time. Uh, Chris, because, you know, I get to be, be the bad guy here, but let's, let's just great parenting time. I had joined a wrestling team in like middle school. Okay. And yeah. so I was, you know, wrestling first time ever. And I joined a, a sporting league or whatever team or whatever. And this kid picked me up, dropped me on my arm. My arm looked like an S when I got up. Oh, I mean, it was just beyond shattered. Okay. And so somebody had to come pick me up. And my dad was the unfortunate one who had to come back from pick me up from school and take me home, whatever. And I was in tears. I was crying. My arm looked like an ass and he didn't want to take me to the hospital because he was angry that he had to leave work to come get me. Yeah. And then decided he was going to go upstairs, take a shower, do whatever he's got to do while my fat ass is sitting. Sorry. My little ass is sitting, little butt is sitting downstairs crying and tears and everything else. Finally, he said, What, your little little wussy has to go to the doctor? And he took me to the doctor <laughs> and found out that my arm was completely shattered, almost needed surgery. They said it, you could hear the bones moving as they were setting my <laughs> arm, and I was crying in pain. He was calling me names and telling me to toughen up.
1: Toughen and, up, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there's no wonder that I'm screwed up. Hey, you should be happy he didn't you. just
1: tape it together.
0: <laughs> and and I did. I wanted to
3: put some uh, some um, tape around it. I mean, you know. I yeah, put a board. This you. Yeah, this helped you when you lost a leg, for goodness sakes. That's right. This made you I guess. <laughs> it made you a man. He's
1: not it made you a man. It got before, you ready to lose a limb. It got you ready Absolutely. in your mind to be able to accept losing a limb, Seth.
0: I'm traumatized still to this day of going home in sixth grade, looking at my arm that I could look like cursive writing, well, my dad's upstairs taking a shower and getting ready for to go back to work.
3: First he of had all, a big it story. was his wrist. It was his wrist. See, this is this is how he, he can't remember. It was his wrist. It wasn't his arm.
0: No, it was my uh, wrist.
3: Other, uh, otherwise, they would have set the, the arm and put a, uh, a cast on it. But this is, I will say this. They put that little contraption on the fingers, you know, that close on the fingers. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. you tighten it, it closes your fingers. And that's how they set the arm. They put it up like that. and They pulled on that thing. And you could hear the bones uh, for about ten for about a second before Seth started screaming. And he was just like when he was the, the baby, it was so loud <laughs> he was his face had turned purple.
0: Just not, That's not, when not I accurate. told him not, I said, I up, one, of
3: these, one of these days I told him you're gonna lose a limb and you're gonna need to know how to be a, a type.
0: Not even close to being accurate. It was the worst pain that anybody could possibly experience. I sat there, took it like a champ, and my dad was telling me, no big deal, not a big deal. You're know, you just going to have to learn to deal with this kind of stuff. Well, your
1: dad was seeing broken bones all the time when he was doing football reporting. You weren't special. You weren't special at all. You were just another one.
3: You know, Ronnie Lott cut off fingers at halftime and went out and played the rest of the game. Hey, you know what?
0: A little broken wrist is not going to hurt you.
1: That's now, right. Got, he had like, a big Dan Marino story to write. He didn't have time for your damn wrist. I,
0: I, I, Ron, Ronnie has got nothing on me now. Let's just say that. Ronnie <laughs> Lop can kiss my butt. Look at me. <laughs> Ronnie Lop may be missing a tip of a finger. Look at this.
1: What a crybaby, right, Seth? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I've never,
3: uh, I've never been more proud of my son. I'll just say that. Everything that he's done, and the two of you together are terrific. By the way, just let me get that Thank out. Thank you. Uh, I uh, I don't always ag- agree with everything you're saying. Although my <laughs> son likes to, he likes to uh, paint me as some raging liberal. You know, I think you 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 tend when you're growing up to when you become an adult to to vote like your parents did. And mm-hmm. my my parents were staunch Republicans, and I voted Republican almost all my life. Um, I voted for Barack Obama because I thought it was time our country had somebody other than a white guy running the country. Uh, but when Donald Trump ran, you know, I lived and worked in New York City. I worked at the New York Daily News. I saw him yeah. up close and personal, and I saw what kind of a person he was. And so uh, I don't disagree. Uh, I, I disagree a lot with some of the, the Democratic uh, policies. I think Joe Biden has done a terrible job with the uh, with the uh, border, uh, but I will tell you this: I will never vote for Donald Trump. I will vote <laughs> for anybody, anybody. And now this will probably upset your audience, and they're probably fleeing right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm 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 not a a raging liberal Democrat. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, despite what my son often says. <laughs> Well, you
1: don't have to, you're not alone there. I get painted into that picture as as being a right-leaning guy and I'm really not. You know, it's I I I personally can't see cheerleading for any of these guys just because No, they're all they're,
2: terrible.
1: They're all at every level from city council <laughs> to president. They're all garbage. And to to sit there and say I'm going to support this guy or that guy, you know, no, I I can't do it. I'm I'm but with see, you.
0: The problem that you have there with both of you is that they all may be terrible, and I tend to agree with you, but there is no option but to vote for somebody to run this country, and if you vote for a third-party candidate who has no shot in winning, then you're throwing away your vote. You have to vote for somebody to run the country, and I would rather vote on policy more than the person itself. I don't think Donald Trump is a nice guy. I think he's a scumbag. But do I think that he should be tried on 91 different counts? I think they're just going after him because they don't want him to run for the office. I totally think that. Do I think that he has the best policies for this country? Yes. Of anybody that we have to vote for right now, I think he has the best policy to make this country run at least close to the way that it should be running. As opposed to the guy who likes to sit there, eat ice cream and sniff women's hair. (laughs) I, I can't get behind him because I don't like his policies. All right, let me just
3: say this, and I know that you need to get Tony on and probably want to get going. And I do I not I, I, I
0: want to turn this political. I just, but I, No, I, no,
3: I, I understand that. I would say this. This is how I think. I think when you're president of the United States, it's more than just policy. When you are the front-facing uh, person for an entire country uh, and the world looks at you, you have to be. Besides your policies, you as an individual cannot be morally bankrupt. And I think that most people, uh, even those who love Donald Trump, have to believe that he is a morally bankrupt human being. And uh, I think it's it's almost as important as policies. Not quite. It's but, not. It's not. It's not. I, totally I was going to say because
1: level. I'll I'll tell you what I'll take his moral ineptitude over the border any well, day of any week
3: well i i've I'm not, I'm not certain on that i'm not sure that we had a a completely walled off border no but uh, it's better than it is now was in, was in well you're right about that you're absolutely right about that and i'm not ever going to say that you're that you're wrong but i again i just have seen him up close and personal and um i, I just he's a person that I just cannot, uh, I just can't vote for. And and I just can't put my. Uh, Did my you vote for, for Hillary? Anyway. Uh, no, I didn't. That was when okay. I uh, voted for. A third party at that point.
1: Okay. Cause I was going to say, uh, I would have voted for the BTK killer over Hillary. I would have voted for anybody else <laughs> over Hillary. She is the worst. And she, and she's killed more people or BTK killed less people than her. So. You know, it's no. like horrible.
3: <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm I'm happy to stay as long as you want. But listen, no more tomorrows, people. That's right. No more tomorrows.
1: That's right. Link link right here on the bottom. The link it's is right running across the
0: bottom of the screen as we speak, and has been. There it is. Where you can buy my yes. dad's book, books. E E
3: Williams. My mom and dad didn't think that my when my uh, when they did this when they named me Eugene Earl that uh, the initials would be EW. but that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny
3: <laughs> well
1: Gene it's been great talking to you you got to come back oh, on again with
3: you guys Anytime. I love you both I really do. One I love a little bit more than the other yeah uh, Seth So, so Chris. There. Chris, <laughs> yeah, Seth so I love you more I, <laughs> hear that I, I'm not gonna say who that is that's right. have to hear that out <laughs> there
0: you go I gave the um, best introduction you could possibly give to somebody, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> this is what I get.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well,
3: it was great talking to you. Really, it was. It was a lot of fun. Going, yeah. it's, uh, it's been my pleasure. Truly, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy it.
0: Well, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I'll talk to you probably soon. <laughs> okay, I love you guys. Love All you right, too. I love Gene, you. Take care. care Bye. Bye. There you go. There you go. That's my uh, my dad.
1: That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Didn't you think I that was a lot of fun?
0: It. I did. I didn't want to turn it political, because I know how he feels, but he, huh. yeah, he's not as liberal as I make like him out to be a time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the gig here. That's part of the show. Well, yeah. That's all right.
1: What, at least now I sort of, not fully, but I sort of understand the eating disorder that you have. Yeah, see? I do understand that if... See, I never heard that whole picture of where a lot of times, and from and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm re, if I'm hearing this wrong, but a lot of times dinner time, nobody was there. Like your mom was working, and your dad was, or your dad might have been there, but he was, he yeah. was doing his job.
0: Times and schedules kind of varied a lot. And there was a lot of times, again, I wasn't joking about the fact that, you know, my dad liked to have like a steak and like his little salad thing that he made. And my mom would make a meal for her and I sometimes. And a lot of it, you know, it was, not
1: Did you weren't alone in that? Let me just tell you, you were not, I can remember times that my, my mom would be out there grilling and she'd grill like an awesome steak for my dad. And then we'd get like steakums. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you
0: know there you know. were times where you know my mom would make shrimp and like the whole house was like light up with like black smoke and you know, stuff sure i mean but she she tried hard and, but a lot of it was like you know meals that just weren't weren't probably the best it was a lot of like strode off and fattening stuff and, you know, sure more what comfort happens? food a lot of comfort food and it no was asparagus yeah, no, and then we go out a lot. I mean, we would, I mean, just,
1: and if you went out a lot, then you could pick whatever you wanted because no, yeah. nobody goes to the restaurant and says, "Okay, my son will have the um, broccoli." <laughs> yeah, the broccoli and the salad, and and I'll have a steak. Nobody's yeah. doing that. It's like I'm going to order the best thing on the menu. Let's see if you can order the best thing too. That's what everybody does. So, I agree. It was a great interview. It was a lot of fun wow he made that comment like one second of in the interview and, and dude held on to that dude or yeah. man, he made that i mean wasn't that in like the first very first very first thing an first hour line. ago an hour ago uh, <laughs> that's funny
0: <laughs> uh tony is going to be tony masasha is going to be logging on here in, uh, just all right a very good um, the weather is getting cold man
1: i dude it was 61 degrees when I woke up this morning. It's like 29 degrees now.
0: Yeah, and then next Monday or Tuesday, it's supposed to be 70. And we're going yeah, it's, the, it's just bizarre what's going on. Tomorrow, I think the next couple of days is supposed to get back up into the 50s. So yeah, there's a shot of coldness outside. And meanwhile, I'm looking at my phone
1: right now. It says that it's expected to snow in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, I don't know what like, like, they're calling what the, for. A lot of snow or what? but
1: I don't know. But dude, last night we had lightning strikes and 60 and
0: thunder and lightning
1: all night long.
0: I slept through I didn't I didn't hear any of that stuff last night, which is weird because oh. my wife said it was brutally bad, my daughter said it was. it was bad. I didn't hear a damn crack of thunder.
1: It was bad here. It was definitely. I thought somebody crashed their car. It was like boom. You know, big big <laughs> explosion. Damn.
0: Uh, so. should we uh, take, Let's a quick take a break. little break. Yeah, let's and take we'll a come quick back break. with uh, Tony Maschio here shortly. All Hang right, cool. On. Maybe there we go. Man. Hey, everybody! It's Don
2: And When I'm feeling nostalgic, I always go to Pinball PA. You got to go check it out. It's a lot of fun.
1: When you want to have fun in Pennsylvania, there's only one place to go. Pinball PA. Located near the Pittsburgh airport, we have over 420 classic pinball machines and arcade games that you can play. Admission starts at only $24.99. Want to have a party? Well, there's no better place than Pinball PA. Visit our website today at www.pinballpa.com to get more information or to book your next small or large party. Pinball PA, it's where the action is.
2: Assured Window Cleaning specializes in window cleaning, chandelier cleaning, blind cleaning, gutter cleaning, and post-construction cleaning. In business since 1947, Assured Window Cleaning has proudly been serving its customers in Cleveland for 75 years. As a family-owned and operated business, Assured Window Cleaning has built their reputation on trust and delivering the best results possible. When you need window cleaning services for your home or business, contact Assured Window Cleaning. We're one of the top window cleaning companies in all of Cleveland for both residential and commercial. Visit our website today at www.assuredwindowcleaning.com or call us at 440-989-0122 for a quote. And remember, everybody knows Tony. Contact Assured Window Cleaning today.
0: Right back here on the Seth Williams Show with Chris Aiken, and thanks to my dad for coming on. Yeah. Now we've uh, got Tony Matascio. Donald, where's that? Tony, where you at? are you, gentlemen?
4: Was? How are you? I how am here. You? I am here live at Tony's, which is located in Little Italy. You know, the Italian Jew always ends up in Little Italy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, Tony, before we even get into the restaurant review, what's that weather like out there, man? It's nasty, right? This
4: is crazy. So, again, you know I own a window cleaning business, which thank you for the ad moments ago. My guys were out. It was beautiful this morning. Yesterday, I was on the golf course. I was hitting balls at the range. (laughs) Now I'm protecting my balls because they're fucking cold. (laughs) This is crazy. Welcome Uh, to Cleveland,
1: huh? Yeah, no kidding.
4: But guess what? It's March is what, Friday?
1: That's right. It
4: snowed and sleeted in Uh, April. Okay. You know what, though? We've been fortunate, guys. This global warming...
1: We lost your audio, Tony.
0: Can't hear you, Tony.
1: He can't hear us either. <laughs>
0: Whatever happened to the video thing? We're supposed
1: to... <laughs> I'm going to kick him so that he he has to reconnect. Because yeah. then it'll reconnect and it'll fix.
0: <laughs> yeah, where's our video? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. And then I get notice on my thing hey, I'm about to shut down. I <laughs> said, so, remind, remind me tomorrow. <laughs>
4: There he and is. You got me? Sorry, yep. guys. It's all right. Um, so, again, it's one of the greatest destinations in Cleveland. Actually, 25 years ago in Teen Magazine, this was rated the number one safest area in Cleveland. And guess wow. what? East Cleveland is like a stone's throw away. So I don't know how they figured that one out. Probably because everyone here owns a gun.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the Italians have always taken care of their own their own spots anyway, so that's you know. kind of that's kind of probably. I'm imagining, yeah, there might not be mob anymore per se, but they, everybody still takes care of the city, right?
4: Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know what? And I, it's funny you say that because I was in uh, Vegas and they had the mob museum, and there was part of it was Cleveland. Oh this yeah. Was a big part. And think about this. Here in Cleveland, right here, I mean, you know, this was the bomb city, they called it in the 70s. Danny Green, I mean, you know, they were afraid to start their car. So I had a friend, just let me backtrack on this. I used to go to the Post and Paddock, which was on Southgate Park Boulevard. And I had a friend in high school that worked there. He was a server and a bartender. And the owner used to give him his keys to the car. He had a beautiful Lincoln. And he would tell him to go get gas for him. Well, he didn't realize that you know there could have
1: been a bomb under the hood, and he just wanted to start his car. I'll tell you a quick story about Danny Green. My mom was a banker at National City over there in um, Bedford, Bedford Heights, or Bedford, right over there by Warrensville Center Road. What's it's now PNC, and that's where Danny Green used to bank. So my mom used to. Bank with Danny Green until one day when he got blown up. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but but she she actually knew Danny and said he was oh. a really nice guy. So
4: you know it's funny because China Dragon was right next door to the building which was on Brainerd Road. It was it's a medical building still in yeah. there. And he got blown up in that parking lot right on the corner of Cedar and Brainerd Road. And little John Rinaldi was at lunch. At the China Dragon, he said the wow. place rocks because wow. of that bomb.
0: My mom actually used to work in that building. She worked in one of the medical offices in that building. Not when he was there, but, I mean, she uh, worked in that building.
4: Isn't that something? Yeah, it you is. know what? And, again, I'm going to be back down here at the feast in August. And, again, you know, I love talking about these local independent restaurants. And I always say if these streets can talk on Murray and Mayfield Road – They wouldn't say anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably true.
4: (laughs) Let me just show you what I have in front of me. I'm going to let your mouth water here. I've got eggplant fries. I have some gluten-free pasta. They have a burger here with fries. And my friend from Be Inspired, Brandy, actually dropped off some strawberries for me. How cool is this? What a wow.
0: great lady! Oh, she is cool. Sweet. I'll tell you what, she made those uh, show cookies that are dipped in like, white chocolate, and like they are absolutely amazing. You got to check out Be Inspired on on Ridge Road in Parma. They're really really great place.
4: Yeah. So again, give her some love. I know that we give we're gonna give away some gift certificates. Um, so again, always. You know what? She'll give she'll send a gift card every week. Just give me an address and a name, yeah. and we'll get some people there. It's worth the trip.
2: That's
0: yeah, okay. really great. But that place looks amazing, too. I mean, it looks so damn good. I am so hungry, Tony. And I when know. you show me food, Stop. it really bothers me.
4: Sorry, guys.
0: <laughs> I want to show you this.
4: Isn't this cool? So this is actually like an old-school bar here. totally okay. it mm-hmm. means Tavern of Little Italy. And what happened, how they actually built this place is all of the guys in the neighborhood that were tradesmen plumbers carpenters electricians bought this building there's there was about nine of them and they you know what they were going to the bars anyways down here and they created a restaurant bar and now they're all partners Wow, Isn't what is cool? their
1: what is their specialty down there? Are they a beer specialty? Or are they a yes. or liquor? So, or? You know,
4: Chris, that's a great question. So Obviously, you know they have all these bourbons, which you can see right on the shelf. So that's right. their main drinks, and of course they have beers. And as in dinners, opposed to just Italian, which most of the restaurants here, of course, just serve Italian food. Sure. I, I'm going to see if you can actually see this, and yeah, yeah, you can. This is their menu, so they have specials every day, which, like I had said, they have the eggplant fries, they have halibut, they have a pasta, and they kill it here. I mean, this is a Wednesday. I I was here probably about an hour ago, came here a little bit earlier before we got on the air, and this bar was packed. And wow. it's all guys that are working around this area that are trade you know, working at Sherwin Williams and downtown building these buildings. So when you see cranes, obviously, you know you see production happening downtown, which is really cool. And of course, after they're done working, what do they do? They get a bourbon and a beer. Got them. There you over. go. <laughs> there
2: you
1: <laughs> <at>. <laughs> That's a man's restaurant, there. Man. Man's <laughs> it really
4: is. It. So, is that
0: right on Mayfield? Is that right next to all the action?
4: It is. So, actually, I'm going to see if we can see. Uh, we're just looking out here. So, it's right on the corner of Mayfield. Yeah, we'll be able to get a good shot here.
2: This is
4: Mayfield and Murray Hill. Okay. Not, you know, It's right where the corner meets here. So, this is the heart of Little Italy. All right, right what's on. nice about this is, obviously, the August 15th, which is the Feast of the Assumption, These streets are packed, no cars. They cut off the streets for traffic. And the The Assumption goes from 12 o'clock until midnight every day for four days. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. You know what? I don't know if you guys have been down here lately to do that, but I'm going to make sure that you got to come and visit me when we're here. I'll make sure I'll take care of you. Okay? Sounds good to me. So next week, I got—I always have a surprise for you guys, right? Right on. Oh, yeah. So we got to do it. First of all, are, we, are you doing a remote then from Lakewood the 19th uh, of March? We're still on? Yeah.
1: We're still on, yeah. Okay.
4: All right. I'll make sure that be inspired, get you some stuff, and okay. we'll give away some things from restaurants that we have previously been to. That'd be great. Yeah. So guys, I will talk to you next week. Okay as Good. always, Tony Mustachio for the Seth Williams show. And you can tune me in every Saturday morning. I'm on vacation this Saturday because that flash Harris is in the Dominican Republic. Oh. And I just hope he comes back. Because yeah, when yeah. you go to the Dominican, some people never make it home. That is and true. And <laughs> I'll
2: have
4: my and I'll have my own show. Yeah. It'll be the Tony Massaccio show. There you go. 1490. <laughs> <you're getting> <laughs> Guys. Thanks, so again, Tony. I'll, on, I'll see you next Wednesday, and next Saturday, you can tune me Actually, at RLB, I will be at Valley Pizza. It is a brand-new restaurant, and we'll do a show from there. It's right okay. on Granger Road in Valley View. Sounds right. great. It's, Good. it's Sounds always so- a pleasure. I'll talk to you. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Hi, hey, Tony.
4: Those are
1: that does look like a great place. I'm I'm jealous.
0: I think Natalie I'm always jealous. I, I I
1: love Tony and I hate his segment because it just makes me want to go out and just waste all my money on on restaurants.
0: <laughs> I think uh, Natalie needs. I think Natalie has Cox cable she's she must. I keep checking it and it's absolutely fine. So everything's working yeah. fine.
1: But uh, Natalie needs to use the other links. Yeah. I put, in, I put them in. I put on the Seth Williams Show Facebook page. She's is she on Facebook?
0: I don't know what she's on. Looks like Rumble, Rumble, Rumble. Well,
1: no, I mean, I mean, in general, oh, I, is she I don't on know. Facebook? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Just go to Facebook. It's there. It's there. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on the Streamyard link is up.
0: Go to SethWilliamShow.com.
1: Seth Williams <laughs> Show. They're all there. It's on all those places so
0: well, anyway coming on that was good
1: yeah that was good
0: <laughs> you got any plans for the rest of your week
1: uh i actually actually do tomorrow um if people are interested and you might be because this is music that you like um i will be doing a special live edition of chris presents nice. tomorrow at three o'clock eastern um going live with Jen Majira, who's the guitar player formerly of and in the good years of Evanescence. Nice.
0: There you
2: she's up. she's
1: her and I have become become email friends. We email each other back and forth That's all cool. the time. And she's coming to the States, she's she's lives in Germany or somewhere, but she's coming to the States um in March for like fifteen shows, just a limited number of shows. But they're like these experience shows. It's not just, hey, come and watch her play a couple of tunes. It's painting, and it's music, and it's art, and it's, you know, it's like a whole interactive experience. So if anybody wants to check that out tomorrow, tomorrow at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, I will have um, a nice half hour, 45 minutes with Jen Majira of Evanescence fame, um, hanging out and shooting the shit.
0: Very cool.
1: So that'll be and fun.
0: Next next Monday, we still have the guy from. Uh,
1: we do. Keith Wallen from Breaking Benjamin. From Breaking Benjamin
0: coming on. So, yeah, yes. Don't
1: look for that. So I'm trying to play into your likes, your like tastes.
0: Man. And then uh, I'm going to get a hold of the guy, Scotty, who's with the Odd Fellows. I'm going to try to get him on next week. Okay. Talk about the Coach for Kids event coming up. Very cool. The Hilton Garden in Twinsburg. So, uh, yeah, we got some uh, stuff happening. Yeah, we do. Don't forget March 19th. We're going to be down at the Winchester in Lakewood, hopefully, right? That's right. As far as I know, I still can't get the Winchester to call me back, but whatever.
1: We'll we'll, we'll get that done somehow, some way.
0: And there you go.
1: And then we are still planning. Now that spring training has started, I'm going to try and get a hold. Next week, I'm going to try and get a hold of somebody over at the rubber ducks and see if we can't work something out with them to do a broadcast from there so i
0: just drove by their field last night took a, a little ride downtown to akron the dude field.
1: that field is the best yeah have you been you've been there right
0: yeah especially for people like me that <laughs> can't walk around progressive field like that
1: yeah uh, It. but it's great dude you're, you're one level i think the worst seats in the house are what 200 feet from the field
0: yeah, it's yeah it's really
1: good Place. It's a, it's a, just if you like baseball in general, if you just like watching a live ball game, it is a, it might be the best place in Ohio to see a baseball game. I, I, I would take it over the Jake any day of the week, yeah. any day.
0: And then, if you're a fan of conservative talk uh, radio, tomorrow on the Bob Francho Show at ten thirty-five, Dennis Prager will be joining the show. Dennis, Prager. look at that. National radio host will be joining the show uh, tomorrow at 1035. And actually a very cool thing. We don't normally really talk to or endorse Democrat candidates for anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But on Friday, uh, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor uh, Michael O'Malley will be in the studio. And uh, we need this guy to win. Uh, He's a Democrat. I understand that. But the guy that's running up against him, also a Democrat but a progressive liberal, oh, will God. seriously destroy Cuyahoga County as we know it. So, if there's a way for you to endorse uh, Michael O'Malley, whether you can help him out with his campaign, whatever you can do, uh, we'll be talking to him in the studio on Friday with Bob Franchot. That's
1: on uh, 14, uh, on the radio show or on the TV show.
0: On the, the radio show, so fourteen twenty AM. Okay. 10:35 uh, tomorrow, Dennis Prager, and then 11 o'clock on Friday, Michael O'Malley. Uh, you're gonna want to hear that interview. I think it's gonna be pretty good. So, very cool, man. Good stuff. I want to thank my dad for coming on today. Much appreciated. And yeah. uh, thanks to everybody for listening today and on watching, Rumble and everywhere else. Yes, that's right. And watching on Rumble, and uh, everywhere else. We have the show. Thanks to Tony Massaio as well. Of course. Uh, have a good rest of the week, and God willing, we'll talk to you on Monday. Sound good? Yep, sounds good to me. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you. See ya.